Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company, and you can find out more by visiting the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. <clears throat> we have a terrific show for you today, including special guest Kathleen Pasadena, the president of the Florida State Senate, will be with us. Boom Mortensen up in Madison, Wisconsin, will be joining us, former radio personality up there. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government, and also Linda Harden, my wife, will be joining us at the end of the show. It is uh, July the 11th, and on this day in 1804, in one of the most famous duels in American history, Vice President Aaron Burr fatally shot his longtime political antagonist, Andrew Alexander Hamilton, Hamilton, a leading Federalist and chief architect of American political economy, died the following day. Hamilton was born in the Caribbean island of Nevis. Uh, he came to American colonies in 1773 as a poor immigrant. In 1776, he joined the Continental Army in the Revolution, and uh, his relentless energy and remarkable intelligence brought him to the attention of General George Washington, who took him on as an aide. Ten years later, Hamilton served as a delegate to the Constitutional Convention. He led the fight to win ratification of the final document, which created the kind of strong, centralized government that he favored. In 1789, he was appointed to the first Secretary of the Treasury by the President, uh, George Washington. And during the next six years, he crafted a sophisticated monetary policy that saved the young U.S. government from collapse. With the emergence of political parties, Hamilton was regarded as a leader of the Federalists. Aaron Burr, uh, Burr was born into a prestigious New Jersey family in 1756 and an intellectually gifted and graduate of College of New Jersey, which later became Princeton, at the age of 17. He joined the Continental Army in 1775 and distinguished himself during the Patriot Attack of Quebec. A masterful politician, he was elected to the New York State Assembly and in 1784 and later served as the state attorney. In 1790, he defeated Alexander Hamilton's father-in-law in a race for the U.S. Senate. Hamilton came to detest Burr, who he regarded as a dangerous opportunist. He often spoke ill of him. When Burr joined Thomas Jefferson's Democrat-Republican ticket, the forerunner of the Democrat Party, as vice president in 1796 election, Hamilton launched a series of public attacks against Burr, stating, I feel it a religious duty to oppose his career. John Adams won the presidency, and in 1797, Burr left the Senate and returned to New York Assembly. In 1800 election, Jefferson and Burr became running mates, uh, Burr aided uh, the Democrat-Republican ticket by publishing a confidential document that Hamilton had written criticizing his fellow Federalist President John Adams. This caused a rift in the Federalists and helped Jefferson and Burr win the election with 73 electoral votes each. Now, under the electoral procedure that prevailed, President and Vice President were not voted out for separately. The candidate who received the most votes was elected President, the second, the Vice President. The vote then went to the House of Representatives, uh, what has first seemed to be electoral technicality, handing Jefferson victory over his running mate, developed into a major, major constitutional crisis when Federalists and the lame duck Congress threw their support behind Burr. After a remarkable 35 tie votes, a small group of Federalists changed sides and voted in Jefferson's favor. Alexander Hamilton, who had supported Jefferson as the lesser of two evils, was instrumental in backing, breaking the deadlock. Burr became vice president, but Jefferson's grew apart from him, and he did not support Burr's renomination to a second term in 1804. That year, a faction of New York Federalists, who had found their fortunes drastically diminished after the ascendance of Jefferson, sought to enlist the disgruntled Burr into their party and elect him governor. Hamilton campa campaigned against Burr with great fervor, and Burr lost the Federalist nomination and then, running as an independent for governor, the election. In the campaign, Burr's character was savagely attacked by Hamilton and others, and after the election, he resolved to restore his reputation by challenging Hamilton to a duel or an affair of honor, as it was known. 
Affairs of honor were com- commonplace in America at the time, and the complex rules governing them usually led to an honorable resolution before any actual firing of weapons. In fact, the outspoken Hamlin had been involved in several affairs of honor in his life, and he had resolved most of them peaceably. No such recourse was found with Burr, however, and on July 11, 1804, the enemies met at 7 a.m., at the dueling grounds near Waukegan, New Jersey, it was the same spot where Hamblin's son, ironically, had died defending his father's honor in 1801. There was conflicting accounts of what happened next. According to Hamblin's second, his assistant and witness in the duel, Hamblin decided to duel, uh, the duel was morally wrong and deliberately fired into the air. Burr's second claimed that Hamblin fired at Burr and missed. What happened next is agreed upon. Burr shot Hamblin in the stomach and the bullet lodged it next to his spine. Hamlin was taken back to New York, and he died the next afternoon. Few affairs of honor actually resulted in deaths, and the nation was outraged by the killing of a man as eminent as Alexander Hamilton. Charged with murder, Burr was still vice president, returned to, vice, to Washington, D.C., where he finished his term immune from prosecution. <clears throat> In 1805, Burr, thoroughly discredited, concocted a plot with James Wilkinson, commander of the U.S. Army, to seize the Louisiana Territory and establish an independent empire, which Burr presumably would lead. He contacted the British government and unsuccessfully pleaded for assistance in the scheme. Later, when the border trouble with Spanish and Mexico heated up, Burr and Wilkinson conspired to seize territory in Spanish America for the same purpose. In the fall of 1806, Burr led a group of well-armed colonists towards New Orleans, prompting an immediate U.S. investigation. Wilkinson, uh, General Wilkinson, in an effort to save himself, turned against Burr and sent dispatches to Washington accusing Burr of treason. In February 1807, Burr was arrested in Louisiana for treason and sent to uh, Virginia to be tried in a U.S. court. In September, he was acquitted on a technicality. Nevertheless, public opinion condemned him as a traitor and he fled to Europe. He later returned to private life in New York, and the murder charges against him totally forgotten. He died in 1836. Burr does sound somewhat like a scoundrel, doesn't he? (laughs) Kind of an opportunist. But nevertheless, the story of the uh, duel between Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr. Hamilton lost his life, well, technically, uh, uh, this day tomorrow in 1804. Today, leaders from 31 countries in the military alliance are meeting in Lithuania for the start of their two-day NATO event. On the agenda, the war in Ukraine, defense spending, and Sweden and Ukraine's membership. At least one of these is making progress. Sweden is now on its way to joining the alliance after finally gaining Turkey's support. As for Ukraine, NATO's secretary general has said that the alliance will extend an official invitation once the war is over, hopefully providing some uh, motivation to uh, end this uh, war. Uh, poor Joe Biden, though, he, he's stumbling around in London with the king of uh, England. It's uh, Hopefully he'll have a better performance at the NATO meeting. Well, floods in the Northeast threaten lives and destroy roads. Around 9 million people were under flood warnings yesterday, and some areas experienced once-in-a-millennium levels of rainfall as storms that began on Sunday, pummeled the northeastern United States, New York Hudson Valley, with at least one person died in the storm, and Vermont, uh, with flash floods risked with high, ra- high and uh, rain fell at a rate of 1.5 inches per hour, were hit especially hard. Thousands of flights were canceled and delayed, and many roads were damaged and even washed away. So we think some good thoughts for those folks up there in the northeast with those conditions. The Department of Justice erased content from its webpage on child sex trafficking that highlighted the plight of the international sex traffic of minors in late May. This is, to me, such a disturbing story. The stunning revision comes amidst scrutiny of President Joe Biden's continued incitement of mass migration via America's poorest southern border, a prime avenue for child sex trafficking, and also coincides with the recent release of the film The Sound of Freedom. And if you haven't seen The Sound of Freedom, it is an unbelievable experience. I strongly urge you uh, to get tickets and go see it. It's playing at many theaters around the areas. Uh, We went to uh, uh, to, to Mercado to see it. 
the Department of Justice webpage chronicling what constitutes child sex trafficking and how the department is combating it underwent severe revisions on May the 12th, including the erasure of the three sections, international sex traffic of minors, domestic sex trafficking of minors, and child victims of prostitution. The webpage belongs to the Criminal Division of the Department of Justice, which outlines the subject areas the Department's Child Exploitation and Obscenity Services focuses on. It was previously updated under the Trump administration on May 28, 2020. One form of sex trafficking involves the cross-border transportation of children. In these situations, traffickers recruit and transfer children across international borders in order to sexually exploit them to, in another country, explains the now-deleted description of international sex trafficking. The traffickers can be uh, individuals working alone, organized crime groups, enterprises, or networks of criminals working together to traffic children to prostitution across state lines and county lines. And country lines, it continues. The form of sex trafficking is a problem in the United States, and recovering victims originate from all over the world, including less developed countries such as South and Southeast Asia, Central America, and South America, to more developed areas such as Western Europe. Once in the United States, a child may be trafficked to any or multiple states within the country. The United States not only faces a problem of foreign victims trafficked in the country, but there is also a homegrown problem of American children being recruited and exploited for commercial sex, began the section detailing domestic sex trafficking. Pimps and traffickers sexually exploit children through street prostitution and adult nightclubs, illegal brothels, sex parties, motel rooms, hotel rooms, and other locations throughout the United States revealed a section highlighting children forced to engage in prostitution. In the section Child Sex Trafficking, which remains on the Biden administration's version of the DOJ website, the following paragraph was also erased. After cultivating a relationship with children, a child and endangering a false sense of trust, the trafficker will begin engaging the child in prostitution, use physical, emotional, and psychological abuse to keep the child trapped in a life of prostitution. It's common for traffickers to isolate victims by moving them far away from their friends and family, altering their physical appearances, or continuously moving them to new locations. Victims are heavily conditioned to remain loyal to the trafficker. That's what was removed from the Department of Justice website. What's going on here? Are they trying to protect pedophiles here in the United States? Uh, you know, trust is at an all-time low, in my opinion, with the Department of Justice, the FBI, and other uh, agencies of the federal government. But this is just takes the cake. What, are they simply just giving up on uh, child trafficking? Are they supporting it? I'd like to know. It's unbelievable. The segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Hope you give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senate president. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulubees.com and stop by Lulubees Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulubees Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulubees Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Mm-hmm. 
Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on the board. They help prepare elected officials to have a winning strategy in the legislature. You can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org, thefga.org. Coming up, we'll be visiting with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senate president. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning, Kathleen. So uh, I know it's we're off, off session right now. Though there's some preparatory things going on on occasion. Uh, what's been on your agenda <laughs> when it comes to the state? Well, I um, the summer is when uh, you sit down with staff and you start, uh, you know, crafting ideas for uh, the upcoming session. And uh, I'd done that last summer, uh, not not as intensive as now because I hadn't been elected president until November. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm meeting with staff, and my initiative next year, I'm going to do health, some healthcare things, and we're talking about that, and some things that were left unfinished, and and so I've been up in Tallahassee. I go up like every month for a week until we start up again in September. So it's, it's that kind of thing, and there's always something going on, well, <laughs> always something. Well, for sure, you know what's getting in the news right now is the Sound of Freedom is a movie. A uh, low-budget movie that's been produced it tells a true story about uh, child trafficking, and it's just had a ma- well. We went to see it. It just has a major, major impact. And I was just wondering if uh, what's going on in Florida. I mean, is is this is this an issue or a concern in Florida? Oh, of course, it's a concern, and and it's a real issue, um, and it's something that um, our attorney general and the governor, uh, and, and particularly uh, Casey DeSantis, are very concerned about it. You know, we have uh, every session, it seems, we have another bill that we uh, pass that addresses human trafficking in general, but, uh, you know, upping the penalties on on, uh, trafficking of children and the like. It's a huge problem with such a mobile society, and um, we are so concerned about it. And I know that uh, Senator Albritton, who's going to succeed me as president of the Senate, is going to make that one of his top priorities um, because it is a huge issue. It's a terrible thing, a terrible thing. It is a terrible thing, indeed. I, one of the stories I covered before we had you come on the show is that the Department of Justice has taken down its information from the, their website on child trafficking and sex trafficking and that kind of thing. And, you know, right now they're doing so much to disparage their own reputation, and this just... Uh, smacks what is going on in terms of are they saying this is no longer a priority i just understand it i you know i agree i don't understand it either and and a lot of it's just uh, mismanagement and and, and a misunderstanding of the issue and um if we don't get a handle of this i mean there's just so many ramifications and, and we're not a lot of it is we're not even just talking it's unthinkable what they do with really young children. But the biggest issue are that, you know, the teenagers from all over the country that are, are have become human slaves. And, you know, people just want to sweep it under the rug, and we can't. No. We have to hold those people accountable on one hand that that, that are traffickers. And that's what one of the governor's biggest concerns are, are 
uh, human trafficking and smuggling of people in into Florida. And it's not just workers. It's a lot of uh, it's sex, uh, sex workers, it's laborers and the like. And, um, you know, we're putting a big emphasis on it. And maybe that's one of the reasons the federal government, I hate to say this, is is sweeping it under the rug because a lot of the, the traffickers are trafficking people from South America yeah. illegally into this country. I understand it, uh, that not only is it sex trafficking for, you know, for kids less than a year old, my goodness, but also that uh, they're, they're actually uh, using these kids for organ harvesting. Oh, that, and that's that apparently has been a big problem in, in China uh, and where parents are actually selling uh, their children's organs for, for money. Wow. And it, 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 it's a, a sad state of affairs. I suppose it's been going on for a long time, but, but um, you know, now we're putting a real focus on it and, and have to do something about it. Stiffening the penalties, as I said, uh, uh, on the traffickers. And, and also um, uh, the giving giving help to those people that were trafficked right. and and taking away the stigma and taking and, and for a while there people that were trafficked were also found guilty uh, you know violating the law we can't do that well and that of course uh, we don't the, the interesting thing or the sad thing is that apparently there's a market here in the United States for sex trafficking for minors uh, apparently, there's a couple of million kids that are missing here in the United States, and many of them are used for that purpose. Being and uh, the traffic is they're going to pe- people here in the state of Florida and all over the country. So it's a it's a big problem. Well, with the mobile society that we have, um, you know, there's not the the nuclear family that that we had 50, 60 years ago. Everybody knew where everybody was, right? And you know, people are moving, and and it is it's something that we have to focus on. It's we really do. Absolutely. And off a, a different topic, and I know this is not in your purview, but I can't help but maybe have some information on this. Uh, we had Hurricane Ian come through, and it de- devastated parts of southwest Florida and uh, Bonita Springs and, uh, you know, uh, not only that uh, county, Lee County. My question is, uh, here it is. Uh, probably uh, almost a year later, and we still have not heard anything from the federal government on whether uh, pledging or stating that that's a natural catastrophe. Uh, any thoughts or update? Well, I, I, I don't have any inside knowledge on what the federal government is going to do or not going to do. I, I just, I, you know, I, I, was, I have been frustrated as well. And as our governor has been saying, look, I'm not going to wait for them. Uh, we're going to do what we need to do in Florida and he has been doing it. So we've been backstopping a lot of the uh, <coughs> particularly funding that uh, uh, FEMA should be providing yeah. because we have to do it. And, and I think that's, that's made a huge difference. And maybe that's not, it's not letting them off the hook, but maybe they're saying, well, well, hell, Florida, Florida's going to go ahead and front the money. We can just take our time. I mean, they're still, they're still, uh, FEMA's still looking at, um, Claims from from uh, Michael, <laughs> so they're that far behind. Yeah, so, you know, I just, uh, of course, my cynical makeup. <laughs> I just wondered if it's not politically motivated, understanding that this is kind of a red state area here. So uh, that could. I mean, I've been saying that for years, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, we just have to charge forward. You know, our responsibility is to our constituents, and and we can't. We just can't sit around and wait because there are people that are homeless. Uh, you know, I, I talk to people all the time who lived in uh, Benita and Fort Myers Beach who bought their homes like 30, 40, 50 years ago. Yeah. And they can't afford to rebuild. They can't afford, um, they, they have to move. They want, they're going to have to sell their homes. And that's so tragic. You know, this, is, this was their, you know, golden years to live in their home and, you know, near the beach. And now they can't afford it. And it's just, it, it, it is a real tragedy. It is a tragedy indeed. And there are other financial benefits that come from simply the financial support coming from FEMA. So nevertheless, yeah. though, Kathleen, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show and for your support here for all of us here in Southwest Florida. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, and have a great day. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting uh, with uh, Boo Mortensen, former radio personality in Madison, Wisconsin. I'm going to find out what's on her mind. That and more right here on The Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of The Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. 
you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. You're a valued professional RN. There's a path that takes you to the next level. Hodges University offers an RN to BSN program that, like you, is way above average. RNs with a BSN have a faster track to pursuing leadership positions and can see faster hourly rate increases than those with an ASN. You can earn your BSN with Hodges in just one year. Classes are online and start in August. Scholarships are available. Become the next level nursing professional. Do more. Earn more. Be more. Visit Hodges.edu today. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. And you can find out more and get tickets for performances by visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, it's time to find out what's new with Boo Boo. It just makes me smile whenever I say that. Boo Mortensen, a former radio personality in Madison, Wisconsin, now a pretty regular uh, 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 citizen down here on the Paradise Coast. Boo, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Well, it's my pleasure, Bob, and I have some thoughts. I just flew up about two weeks ago from uh, Florida to Madison, and you look at people getting on a plane. You think they were going out to wrestle a steer or to <laughs> mow the grass. They look so horrible, yeah. uh, and not everybody, but a lot. And so I thought, good God, you know, remember when you used to fly, it was a big deal, you know, you'd have on a nice dress and... You know, guys would have sport coats on, and, you know, everybody was civil. Well, that's long gone. That's a distant memory. But now they say that the number of unruly uh, unruly passengers worldwide has absolutely shot up. It's gone up by 37%. And the airlines are starting to think that there might be an appeal of the dress code. They feel that if people get dressed nicer, or if there's an, a basic dress code, that uh, people will be more respectful of themselves and others and less likely to lash out. You know, Boo, I, I think there is a connection or a cause and effect, don't you? You know what? I do. I really do. I mean, do you ever see two guys in a sport coat and a tie in a fist fight? No! <laughs> well, I think uh, this whole problem was exacerbated, I think, during the pandemic when everybody was forced to mask up. And I think it creating some irritability. It just raised the temperature for everybody getting on the airplane. Uh, and, but now it's continuing. I, I think it dropped off after the mask requirement was, uh, was alleviated. But I think it still exists. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I th- oh, it definitely still exists. It hasn't gone away. Uh, the dress code, I mean, people dress, <clears throat> how they dress, how they get on a plane is just as bad as ever. Now, the problem is, how do you define dress code? How do the airlines define that? That's the problem. What they say now uh-huh. is um, they, like, say, Delta won't transport passengers whose conduct, attire, hygiene, or odor creates an unreasonable risk or offense. Uh, Southwest says they will not allow clothing that is lewd, obscene, or patently offensive. Uh, I wonder if that includes be- a Donald Trump t-shirt. <laughs> 
Yeah, and I, I think, though, I'm, I'm making a point here. You know, it gives a lot of latitude to the uh, people on the plane, yeah. doesn't it? So that's, that's a concern. <clears throat> it says that the rules may deter a passenger who tries to board a flight like in a Speedo or an offensive slogan. Yeah. But, you know, that's, that's pretty vague. Now, are they going to try to adopt a more formal dress code? I don't know. They're trying to. Well, here's the thing. They say that well-dressed people never cause drama on a flight. Yeah, and uh, if you just take a step back, when you start to have to make rules that 10 years ago, uh, nobody would even consider uh, con uh, performing these violations. The fact of the matter is we've seen a deterioration in our society, don't you think? Oh, heavens, yes. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You know, you see what people wear when they go out to dinner. You see, and I, I'm not blaming it all on a dress code. Right. I mean, I think there is a, a, an incredible decline of civility. And I, I blame a lot of that on social media. Yeah. But uh, aside from that, you know, people used to, I don't know, maybe we're old and that's, we're, we're thinking this way and it's not really all that accurate. But at least the airlines have noticed that they think that there would be more civility on a plane if people were, would dress nicer. You know, they have more respect for how they look yeah. and for how others are. And I, you know, you kind of ratchet it up a notch. I agree with that. Um, is it something they can enforce? I don't know. I, I think it's a can of worms. It is a can of worms. Although, I will say, doesn't this kind of all also gravitate into restaurants? Like sometimes Linda and I will go to a very nice restaurant, mm -hmm. celebrate a nice evening together, and you see somebody walking in a strappy T-shirt and a bathing suit and flip-flops. You know, it's, it's, where's the respect for, for, the, uh, for the venue, for, uh, for the restaurant? Oh, I totally agree. I went out with some friends the other night to a restaurant, and we've all got nice slacks on and a blouse. People came in, they looked like they had just finished mowing their yard. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And, and there, nobody says anything. I mean, I guess it's just, I guess it's just accepted. It's just, and are we thinking old-fashioned? You know, Boo, I don't think so. I, t in my view, uh, civility, I think it all kind of comes under the top, topic of civility and having respect for others and also self-respect. And uh, I've certainly, when that kind of behavior demonstrates, I think, a lack of self-respect in some ways, but certainly a lack of respect for other people in your environment. Yeah. Yeah, you, I, I agree. So how do you change that? That's a great question. Uh, I don't think, though, it necessarily comes down to making rules. <laughs> I think it has to, it's a deeper problem. If you want to get to the cause, you have to start raising your, you know, you have to be raised right. To be, you need to, kids need to, to be raised to understand and respect other people. Keep your hands to yourself. Uh, uh, show respect to other people, to strangers, that kind of thing. I'd, I think that's beginning to deteriorate in our society. Oh, I think it's been deteriorating for a long time. Yeah. Now, I'm, I can all, you can only hope that maybe the needle will spin the other way or the pendulum will? I'm not sure. I used to think, you know, we'd go way to the left and then we'd swing right. I'm not sure how much swing and right there is anymore. Yeah. Well, this uh, we certainly got a, uh, I'm going to call it a, 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 a devaluation of our society right now. We're seeing... We're seeing the evidence of uh, a, a mature society erode, and that's unfortunate. Uh, hopefully, it, this can be a temporary thing, and hopefully it'll swing back, but uh, right now I have, my, I have my doubts. Yeah, I'll tell you, when was the last time you got on a plane and traveled somewhere? Boo, I have to admit to you, we don't have any uh, future plans right now to go anywhere. Uh, to me, the whole, the whole concept of doing that is so repulsive that I really have no motivation to do it. Yeah, to get on a plane and go somewhere. Right. I'll tell you, it's, it's formidable. I never used to worry about flying. You, ne you know, well, for, remember, I mean, we grew up in the era where there was no TSA. You just walk on the plane. That was wonderful. So, okay, so you put up with that. It's a three-ring uh, circus out there now to fly, and especially during the summer. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it is crazy. No question. And it's all out of your control. You know, it's, 
it's, you know, if you get stranded in an airport, and we've all got friends that have been stranded and, you know, are, are caught in, like, Philadelphia for three days. They miss a wedding. I mean, the, the stories are endless. It's really scary out there. It is indeed. Boo Mortensen, I just, you know, right now with these uh, rainstorms up in the Northeast, flights are being canceled. I mean, that's that's the other thing that's going on. As you're pointing out, I mean, you can literally be stranded in a city for three days because, well, uh, yeah, the next flight is scheduled for, well, let's see, tomorrow, but that's full. Uh, you're just going to have to take your chances here. <laughs> Unbelievable. Makes you want to hop in a car and drive home. That's exactly right. Boo Mortensen, always a pleasure to get your, imp- your insights into various things going on in society. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, Bob. All right. Well, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seaton Modley, the founder and president of Less Government. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Gain the skills you want so you'll be in demand by employers. That's what Hodges University's workforce readiness is all about. Choose your specialty from EV technician, automation, robotics, real estate, insurance, and electronics to programming boot camps, supply chain management, and more. These classes are online, affordable, and focused on what you need to know. Learn more today by visiting Hodges.edu and clicking on Workforce Readiness. Because with Hodges University, you'll stay near and go far. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Uh, we have with us somebody that I think will agree with that the list of commitments, and that is Seton Motley. He is the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Yes, unfortunately, D.C. doesn't, but uh, yes. Yeah, but Seton, keep up the good work. You're making a big difference. Uh, I know it doesn't feel like it sometimes, but it's a very important work, so thank you for that. Thank you very much. Absolutely. By the way, uh, Seton is in Belize, and I have to admit I experienced a little bit of envy about that, uh, thinking about uh, the life in Belize and uh, kind of a kickback life. How's everything going? It's 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 great. It's it's. it's Perfect for me, I, and I, you know, I've been a hermit my whole life. So, being a hermit in a third world country where you pay very little taxes and and everybody leaves you alone, and it's really it's very 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 nice. And of course, it's woefully less expensive than in the U.S. It's just I, I felt like every day in the U.S. like a, a wave comes in every every morning and washes away more of your stuff. Yeah, and here you can actually get ahead. It's 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 really a remarkable instantaneous difference when I relocated in December. Yeah, one thing about international uh, living like that is uh, the concern about medical care. Is that a concern for you? My my realtor is a very nice lady from South Africa, and she had some intestinal problems, and she flew to Mexico. And the doctors are great, and the facilities are great, and she just got to check up, and everything's exactly where it's on track from where it's supposed to be. Um, obviously, you know, there's not... There's a hospital about an hour away in a town called Dangriga, 
Um, but for the real, real stuff, you have to leave Belize. There's no question about that. Yeah. But for the real, real stuff, for the most part, you, you can, you can, you have a little time to schedule that. You don't have to, you know, you don't go to an emergency room with stage four cancer unless you're really, really stupid. <laughs> um, so, you know, you have time to, to, to organize and, and, and go there. And of course, Mexico is orders of magnitude cheaper. Uh, for medical care than the United States. Uh, interesting. Uh, final question on this, though. Uh, uh, people also talk about the crime concerns. Do you have cr- uh, concerns? Police, of- well, it's just like a. It, it's like it's it's like Maryland, for example. Or pick your state. Baltimore is terrible. I lived in Maryland. There was very little crime. My county voted seventy-four percent for Republican Larry Hogan in the governor's race. You know, if you go to Baltimore, parts of Baltimore, there's a problem. If you go to the south side of Chicago, there's a problem. L.A., San Francisco, there's a problem. But I live in Placentia, which is a little peninsula, about three hours south drive. And I have not locked my – I don't even know where my keys are for my house. Yeah. That's pretty cool. The cops are great. No one one messes with you. Everybody gets it. There's – I asked a native – if there's a you know if if the, if the invasion by the expats is a double edged sword, there's they're happy they're bringing the money, but is there some resentment? And he said, not on the peninsula, man. You're gods here. Well, that's <laughs> so, so interesting. So see, they, they, don't, they don't want to me- they don't mess with the gods. So yeah, they're grateful for the contribution to the economy and to their well being. So that's that's pretty cool. So uh, yes. so uh, you wrote a piece. Uh, no one asked Biden's FCC nominee this question mark. And it's uh, kind of a, yeah, very interesting. Maybe you could tell us about it. Well, this is so obvious. I mean, the, the, the Biden, the, the FCC, you and I have talked about this. It's a full contingent is five commissioners, one of whom acts as chairman. There's the, the commissioners are Senate con- confirmed. And it's three of the president's party, two of the others. So in a 3-2 majority, the Democrat FCC under Biden could go crazy and do all cuts of obnoxious unilateral stuff they're not supposed to do, like Title II reclassification of the Internet, which is regulating it like a rail, a railroad or a telephone line, which is insane structure. I'm sorry I had the hiccups a little bit. No worries. Um, but it, it's, that's insane structurally, but it's, it's also unconstitutional legal because Congress has to write a law telling them to do that. Same yeah. with net neutrality. You can't do anything until Congress writes a law telling you to do it. And for two years now, all, the entirety of the Biden administration, it's been tied two commissioners to two commissioners. And all the stuff they're supposed to do, they get done. Because it's non-controversial, it's not ideological, yeah. and they just vote for nothing, for nothing, for nothing, and do all the stuff they're supposed to do. Spectrum allotment, there's a, there's a lot of stuff they do yeah. that, that, they, that that's not a partisan fight. The only, thing that, the only stuff they can't do is the ideological stuff. So um, B- Biden nominated a fifth commissioner uh, named Gigi Sohn. She's a nice lady. I know her, but she's radically insane. She, normally there's one hearing for these people, and then they get a vote. She had to have three hearings because they couldn't get Democrats to vote for, a couple Democrats. Wow. She eventually withdrew her nomination. <laughs> so now Biden has nominated uh, Anna Gomez, uh, and they're trying to sell her as the moderate alternative to Gigi Sohn. And we don't know if she is. And, and one of the things I pointed out in this piece is there's, there's one question that matters for the FCC commissioner. If it comes up that they're going to impose net neutrality and reclassify the Internet, if the chairman, German, Jessica Rosenwurzel, who has said she wants to do that, the other Democrat on the commission says he wants to do that. So we need the third, you know, they need the third vote. So yeah. the only question that matters at the hearing is... If, the, if Jessica Rosenworcel brings this vote to, to you, how will you vote? Yep. And nobody asked that question. Nobody asked that question in the hearing. Nothing else freaking matters. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's just unbelievable. And I, the reason I put a question mark is because I wasn't sure if nobody had asked it. But then I got an email from a former Republican commissioner who's now a partner in a law firm in D.C. and doing tech, you know, tech law, law, lawyer stuff. And he said, thank you for writing this. 
No one asked it, and I've been beating the crap out of the senators, Republican senators, huh. to, to follow up and ask before they vote on this nominee. Because if, if, if the answer to that question is yes, she'll vote for it, she's, as far as we're concerned, she's just as radical as Gigi Stone, and she shouldn't get confirmed. So, uh, Seton, uh, has, when will the vote happen, and where do we stand in this process? I don't, they, they, they don't, they, they usually announce them pretty close to when the vote takes place because they want to minimize ability to rally the troops. You know what I mean? Yeah. They want to, they want to, because remember the Democrats still run the Senate. So they, they don't want to give us time to, to rally opposition to her if and when the vote comes. Um, and so I, I'm not sure when, when it's going to come now. I tried to call the, this lawyer because I thought he was doing it wrong. He said, I've been yelling at Republican senators for months, and I wanted to, I called him and said, call me, and he never called me. And my advice is going to be, forget the Republicans, embarrass them. Yeah. Go get the two Democrat senators that voted no, that were going to vote no on Gigi Stone. Yeah. And, say, and get them on board. It was Joe Manchin from West Virginia, and it was Kristen Sinema from Arizona. Yeah. And said, embarrass the Republicans. Get yeah. cinema and, you know, Manchin is, to me, Manchin is Chuck Schumer in a red state. Yeah. If he could, he'd vote like Chuck Schumer. Cinema's a genuine wild card. She's all over the place. And I respect that because that's just how she thinks. And I respect, you know, if, if that's how she thinks, that's fine. Um, but she's, she's opposed to unilateral action like this at the FCC. Yeah. So go get her and, and get her to come out and oppose and then drag the Republicans, you know, embarrass them into into being a unified no against uh, Gomez as well. I mean, just to take a step back, this issue is so important. I mean, the, as you pointed out so many years ago, the Internet is now a free market Xanadu. And now the federal government wants to come in and start regulating it for your benefit. We're here to help you, so to speak. Forget about right. it. You're going to see taxes. You're going to well, and, 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 and the speed, you know, that five years ago, we just had the anniversary five years ago that the Trump administration you know, reversed the Obama's uh, imposition of net neutrality. It was in place for about a year, and we were told by the big media and everybody how awful the Internet was going to get as a result. Yeah. And the speeds have gone up over 400% on both fixed and wireless broadband since then because we, we, we reduced the regulations, which increased uh, investment. Because if, if, if you're not going to get hit over the head and shoulders with a bat by government, you're more likely to invest in the sector. They invested in the sector, and the speeds exponentially increased. Seed Mondigan, the founder and president of Less Government, I encourage you to visit lessgovernment.org. <clears throat> you can also visit Less Government on Facebook as well. Seed, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, sir. My pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Linda Hart. She is my wife. She's also extremely well-informed of what's going on. Uh, here in the country and the Paradise Coast. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Group 
Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. ask yourself why people are the way they are. If you're fascinated by human behavior and you want to make a career of it, you know where you need to start? Hodges University with a bachelor's degree in applied psychology. Your professors are practicing professionals that bring your classes to life with life chat discussions and various projects. You know, having a deeper understanding of what motivates people can lead to careers in counseling, sales, human resources. Your passion can be your career. So get started today. What are you waiting for? Visit Hodges.edu or stop by their campus in Fort Myers. They're at the corner of Colonial and Winkler. Because with Hodges University, you're going to stay near and go far. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I just want to remind you that, uh, of course, Lulabee's Diner has been serving terrific breakfasts and lunches for years. Now serving dinner Wednesday through Saturday, 4 to 8 p.m., and it's just fantastic. Great food, inexpensive, casual, and you can go to Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center Wednesday through Saturday, 4 to 8 p.m. We have with us Linda Harden. She is my wife, but also extremely well-informed with regard to what's going on. Not only here in the Paradise Coast, but in the nation. Melinda, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. And oh, by the way, according to, um, with regard to the Paradise Coast, the Ritz-Carlton is now open to the public. It is open. And you know what? It's uh, It's been a long time. Think about this. September the 28th until now. Well, wait. It was closed before that because part, part of it was because they were putting on that addition and they That's closed right. that for a while, too. So it's been it's been a long, long time. So we have a, a view, 24-hour-7 view of the Ritz-Carlton here in Naples which we're grateful for, grateful for the view. But the thing is to see these lights on in the Ritz, just think about the light bill. Never mind all the other expenses. Oh, boy. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I don't know what the rates are going to be to charging people to come in, but uh, they kind of. I think they're opening the Ritz up for the, for the public here on the Paradise Coast on Monday, next Monday, aren't they? It is open. They opened it yesterday. No, I mean, to the but public. inviting the public to come in. Yesterday. Yes. Was it yesterday? Yesterday. Oh, we missed this it. Monday. <laughs> oh well. Okay. So. By the way, I I don't mind that. I want. I was really anxious to go to the to the Ritz, but I'm I gave that some second thought because I want them to work all the kinks out because the spa isn't open yet because of various and sundry problems they're having. So I want them to work the kinks out before I go over there. Just saying. Makes sense. So uh, I, I would appreciate uh, that movie, The Sound of Freedom, was so impactful to me. I think it was for you as well. I wonder if you'd be willing to make a couple of comments. Well, one of the comments I'll make, then I don't, I'm no, I don't know if you're aware of it, but um, Tim Ballard was, CBS News, I don't, I don't know if it was on 60 Minutes or what it was on, but 60, um, CBS News did a whole focus on Tim Ballard several years ago when all of this wasn't being um, censored by everybody. They did, they showed, Tim Ballard showed, remember in the movie where they went to rescue the kids on that island? Yeah. Tim Ballard actually showed that footage of what happened with those kids and with the, and, and that model, that former beauty queen that was grooming those kids. It was all, they, CBS showed it. And so, and so, um, the fact that that the mainstream media is trying to block it now is just so glaringly hypocritical. It's amazing. Well, to me, just I'm wondering what's going on. The Department of Justice uh, scrubbed their website of information about child trafficking and uh, sex trafficking. And I'm asking myself, are they running interference for pedophiles? And what's going on here? Hello, with the Department of Justice? hello. It's been going on for years. Yeah. 
And and so um, they're just, the Department of Justice is putting it, I don't know who's, I don't know if they're playing whack-a-mole and trying to um, distract from what's going on, but they're bringing a real target on their back by doing this. I have this to say, crazy. they have to have some sort of uh, communications person there that can help them with this. because oh, Maybe it's the person who, who was directing the Budweiser <laughs> yeah. communications. But anyhow, the timing is just absolutely awful, and it's, it's, it certainly is doing nothing to increase the trust with uh, institutions in Washington, D.C., especially the FBI and the Department of Justice. I'm telling you, Robert, it's just crazy that with this movie going gangbusters all over the country, um, they're trying to pull it out of theaters, and people are in demand. They want to see it. They yeah. want to know about it. And, oh, wait, the Department of Justice is saying, no, 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 we're going to pretend this doesn't even exist. How stupid yeah. can they be? Uh, again, uh, the name of the movie is uh, the, sound of the Sound of Freedom. I encourage you to get tickets and, and see it. Uh, it's it's it is a, a fantastic story. It's a true story, and uh, just it's so you you'll certainly find out and, and raise your awareness about uh, child sex trafficking. But you also see a tremendous inspirational story of a guy who committed so much to save children, and uh, it's all true. So again. The Sound of Freedom. By the way, the the um, Alejandro Mayorkas, the totally deaf, dumb, and blind director of Homeland Security, has said that we've got all these hundreds of thousands of children missing, and he doesn't know where they are. So, so that that just um, combined with the Department of Justice um, deleting all this stuff about child trafficking is absolutely amazing. And I would I I have to shout out, do a shout out to Tim Ballard's website because he. Uh, quit the uh, Homeland Security that being a, a person who was guarding the border, vo- the border. Excuse me, um, to do this full time. So his his website is uh, Operation Underground Railroad, and that's where he makes his money. And I'm directing as many people as I can to go there, and you can see everything he's doing and donate to his his uh, his cause because it's it's he's doing God's work. Indeed. Well, I spent so much time talking about this on the show. I got so much passion around it. But uh, what else is on your mind? Well, you don't have enough time. Yeah. Um, we watched uh, Tucker Carlson being interviewed by Russell Brand. By that the way, was fantastic. By the way, people are are on social media on on Twitter and whatever asking what happened to Tucker. What happened to Tucker? Because since he was fired by Fox, um, he has been doing these uh, biweekly uh, little posts on Twitter, which and suddenly he was gone. Well, now we know where he was. He was been over in Europe. He's been in Romania doing a, an interview with Andrew Tate, that guy that's being held against his will over there for speaking truth to power. And so f- last Friday, he went on this uh, uh, streaming podcast, Russell Brand, who's a comedian uh, who's had all sorts of problems in his life. He's drugs. He's uh, ADHD, all these things. But anyway, he's turned his life around, around towards God, and now he's doing this podcast. Yeah. It was streaming. It was 90 minutes of pure red pilling. And if it I'm was not mistaken, awesome. If I'm not mistaken, it's an hour thing that he does, but he did extended it for an hour and a half because the the uh, the interview was so interesting. Well, well, it was on Rumble, and he broke. I mean, he broke. He broke Rumble because so many people wanted to get on to listen to Tucker. It was yeah. absolutely amazing. And let me just fast forward because I know. Um, uh, can our, our listeners can they go to Rumble and find? This yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Go to Rumble.com and you can either sign up; it's free. Yeah. Um, Dan Bongino is part owner of it. It's an amazing site. It's it's taking the place of YouTube. It's absolutely awesome. But go to go to um, Rumble.com uh, and just search out Russell Brand and Tucker Carlson's interview, and you can get the whole thing for free. And yeah. it's it's worth the time so now just learned within the last 24 hours that tucker is going to be hosting a presidential debate on the blaze tv and oh by the way fox news is going to be apoplectic as soon as they find out about it because oh we're the first we're the first uh, presidential debate in August blah 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 we're so great we're so great I heard Brett Bear when we turned it briefly he said oh well we're asked we'll ask those questions at our debate well na 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 Tucker's going to do it first and I think it's so 
cool. It is cool indeed. Linda, always appreciate your commentary. Can you believe we ran out of time? No, you know what? I need more time. I know you do. <laughs> I really appreciate you coming on the show, though. Thank you so much for joining us. Welcome. All right. Well, that's a wrap here at today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We've got great guests for tomorrow including Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Always enjoy my conversations with Andrew. I'm sure you will, too. I always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. Also, if you enjoy the the show, I hope you will tell your friends. That's one of the ways we support our advertisers. Can't do the show without them. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to The Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.